Whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. Hello and welcome to the I Could Never Do That podcast. I'm Carrie Barrett, and these are the stories of people who have gone into the arena and fought hard to achieve the unthinkable in spite of the fact that, yes, sometimes they are scared and do have some insecurities. Are you ready to go in? It's my hope that after hearing some of these interviews with thought leaders and artists, athletes, musicians, and entrepreneurs, that maybe you too will be able to go from, I could never do that, to, you know what? Maybe I can. My guest today, as she says, may have lost her mind, but she found her soul. Robin Botts is the founder of Harmony Farm Sanctuary, which is a little slice of heaven for humans and animals, nestled on about 10 acres of land between the magical towns of Bend and Sisters, Oregon. What started out as one pet pig, Pig Floyd, that is, has morphed into a forever home for over 145 beautiful souls, including many pigs, horses, donkeys, ducks, bunnies, an alpaca, a llama, goats, sheep, turkeys, chickens, and one awesome barn cat who is named Ronald Weasley. Harmony Farm Sanctuary is just that. It is a sanctuary for these animals to live out their years so that they only know love, kindness, and compassion because trust me, many of them did not come from that. For the staff and volunteers, like me, it is also our place to find those same things, kindness, love, and compassion, whether we're brushing, feeding, or scooping poop. (laughs) That feeling of helping another sentient being is unmatchable. And that's the legacy that Robine wants to leave with her guests that visit or volunteer or stay on her on-site Airbnb. These animals have personality and they have voices. These animals feel love and they give love. Now, I'm sure many of us feel like we could never do something of this magnitude, but that's why myself and so many people are thankful for people like Robine and her family. In fact, she would probably say it's what she was born to do. Please welcome Robine Botts. So we are we are sitting here and we're below this this beautiful gazebo structure. Um, I'm overlooking the Cascade Mountains. It's a thankfully, knock on wood, relatively clear non-smoke day. Yeah, here it's in Central today. Oregon, and right in front of me, I see sheep. I see chickens, I see pigs, uh, off in the distance, I see horses, and we are on just the most beautiful, pristine, and serene land I, I have ever been a part of. How did you come to find this land? So we had our former property up for sale for 15 months, and it was when the economy wasn't doing so well, and we just couldn't, we couldn't sell our old farm. Um, And we were looking for properties all over Central Oregon and came across this one one day. Um, It was totally foggy. So I had no idea that the backdrop of our new sanctuary would be this amazing. You had no idea? No idea. 
No. We we had looked at so many properties. I was out with my mom, and the gate was closed. So we just pulled up, and we were like, oh, that's a nice barn. You know, so um, the barn was here. The barn was here. here. The, was house, the house. Yep. The house was here. And none of the rest of this farm was here. Mm. Nothing. Just just like overgrown kind of trees and brush like there is on the outskirts. Overgrown trees and brush and an old vinyl, old vinyl fencing that needed to be ripped out. Okay. Where was the original farm? In Sisters, okay. Oregon. So just, yeah. Just About 10 miles the up the road. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we were just on the outskirts of town. We had... Um, just under 10 acres over there. It was beautiful. Um, but it was just, you know, we had outgrown mm-hmm. um, what the land could hold with animals. Mm-hmm. And um, so we knew it was time to go. How many acres is this? Also just under 10 acres. It's just a lot more usable space. And since we already knew what we were going to use it for, we designed, we built the, you know, the sanctuary um, just for the animals. We got to design it ourselves. Mm, so, yeah, because when you have 145 residents, all of which are wildly different with wildly different needs, you have to have some thought into how they are penned, how they are protected from the elements, how they are fed, um, and, and how they are protected from each other, I right. would imagine. Yeah, Absolutely. And, you know, we basically at our old location, we did, you know, it was all trial and error. Like, oops, shit, that didn't work. (laughs) Oh, they're breaking out of that kind of fence. And so um, I felt like when we moved, it was a fresh start to build it really the way we wanted it. Mm, Yeah, yeah. And so let's, let's take a walk back then, because I don't know your backstory. And I've been volunteering here just for a few months, but I've been enamored by Harmony Farm Sanctuary since we first started to come to Bend. And this was the first summer that um, I was able to give like a full summer of support to. And I don't know how you got into the biz, so to speak. So if you could just take me back, like who was young Robine? And (laughs) did she always love those little animals? I, um, young Robine was a very sensitive little person. Um, when I was young, I rode horses. Um, so I grew up around horses and we had some bunnies as pets, you know, just living in little wire cages. Um, but when I was 12 years old, I was at a a pony camp and they sent home these permission slips to watch farm life in action. And, um, which meant they were going to kill the pig, Cindy, that I knew and loved because I rode at this barn Excuse me. And my mom knew I was a sensitive little kid, and she didn't sign the permission slip, but I was there that day. And all the kids lined up their lunches and their lawn chairs to watch Cindy get humanely killed. Um, And I heard what I'll never forget. It was traumatizing for me. And, of course, curiosity got the best of me, and I watched from behind a tree. And I was horrified. And I became a vegetarian that day, 12 years old. Um, didn't, you know, hadn't heard about veganism or anything like that until I was in my 20s. Um, but that changed my life. Never thought I would actually, like, have a pig as a pet or have, let alone have 19 pigs at a sanctuary. 
plus a bunch of other animals. Mm-hmm. Never would have guessed that ever <laughs> in my life. So um, yeah, there's 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 an aspect of being sensitive, and then there's another aspect of like taking in all the animals. <laughs> <laughs> yes, going over the edge. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, and then so fast forward many years, um, I have two kids. And a husband, and we were living in sisters on this property mm-hmm. that had no animals on it except dogs. And my daughter started writing speeches about wanting a potbelly pig, a micro pig, a teacup pig, which is bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and she wouldn't. Gigantic pig. Yes. Yeah, otherwise yeah. known as huge. And not huge like a, you know, like a farm pig, a farm hog, but, you know, easily 150, 200 250 pounds. Mm. Um, And my daughter just wouldn't stop. She just kept writing. She wrote like persuasive speeches and business plans. And and my dad eventually bought her a pig from a breeder. Um, Little did I know. Yeah, I mean, you know, I I knew well enough not to buy like a dog from a breeder, but um, I allowed my dad to buy this pig named Pig Floyd. (laughs) <laughs> who's still here. Who's still on property. Yes. yes. Pig He's pig numero uno. <laughs> and he lived in our house for two years and um, was like, what have we done? This this being in our house is so smart and sits on our couch and goes through the dog door. And like, ha- if he had thumbs, we would be screwed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually, he'd be cooking dinner. Yeah, he would be cooking dinner. <laughs> yeah. And, um, but that's, that's an important point because my mind was going to, when you said, what have we done? My mind went to, oh, this thing's out of control. It's dirty. I, it, you know, it rolls around in mud. I have to feed it scraps. It's, you know, all, all of the things, but you immediately went right to the part that none of us consider originally, which is, no, this thing is actually really smart. Really smart. Like a four-year-old on steroids. Mm. Smart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, you know, uh, had buyer's remorse. Mm. The whole, you know, what have we done? He's so smart. <laughs> Yeah, He's yeah. territorial. And boisterous. And, and boisterous. Yeah. And doesn't really like it when guests come over. <laughs> <laughs> okay, for that, I want him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, you know, I started doing research online and found out that 98% of people that get these so-called teacup pigs end up rehoming them within the first two years. Mm. And felt massively guilty, you know, for getting a pig from a breeder. And then we decided to, um, instead of get rehoming him, we decided to rescue another pig. Mm. And so Zoe, um, who I was petting when you got here today. Yes, also still here. Also still here. Zoe um, was our first rescue. And how did she come to you? Um, I looked online for a rescue pig. And then meanwhile, I had um, this idea that I wanted to start a rescue farm. Um, I grew up, my parents are, were born and raised in the Netherlands. And in the Netherlands, they have these little farms that people go to, like little mini petting zoos. And I always wanted a little mini petting zoo, but I wanted rescue animals. Mm-hmm. Never thought that would actually happen. <laughs> but then I had this idea. Um, and I was also in, like, a dead-end job, a okay. soul-crushing job. Oh, was it a corporate gig? or? Um, it was for community mental health. Oh, and it wasn't the client population that was so hard. It was kind of the 
yeah. toxic environment. Yeah, because by education, you are a therapist, you're a counselor. Like that is. Yeah. So that's my paid job. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And we'll, we'll definitely uh, touch on that here in a little while. But I, there's, I, I, don't, I don't know what personality tests there are, whether it's Myers-Briggs or what, whatever the, the different tests are, but how high do you rank on the empathy scale? Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Probably. I mean, off the charts. Yeah. Off probably. The charts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like an affliction, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the blessing and the curse. Yeah, for sure. So here you are now with two of these pigs and your in sisters. Um, were there any other sanctuaries that you knew of that, by way of example, that you reached out to to figure out how does how does this work? So um, when I had the idea, I, I really didn't have a lot of knowledge about other sanctuaries. And this was about 10 years ago before there were micro sanctuaries all over the mm-hmm. Pacific Northwest and probably all over the U.S. Um, but I, I did, I had heard about Farm Sanctuary and the Gentle Barn. And um, a few years into it, somebody gave me a book. The, the Gentle Barn book. And they were like, this sounds just like you. And, but honestly, I just, um, I just started doing it. And then that's kind of my MO. I think also the Aries in there, you just go full force at whatever you have an idea to do without really thinking of the consequences. And, um, and so I just started like, I'm doing my thing and it's a rescue. And um, so I didn't have a lot of guidance in the beginning. Yeah. I did. I built that later on. And it's, it's fascinating, and that falls very well in line with the whole I could never do that ethos, <laughs> which is uh, you didn't even have fear or trepidation, which held you back from starting it. You just went for it. It was just, we'll figure it out. I wouldn't say I didn't have fear. Um, I had a shit ton of fear. Okay. <laughs> I just did it anyway. Yeah. You know, for whatever reason, the excitement, the motivation to help animals outweighed the fear. Mm-hmm. But I still have fear all the time. Um, yeah. Yeah. Every day. Well, you're taking care of, I mean, here we are. You have you have children, like actual human children. Yes. Uh, and then you have 145, 150 other children that while you are now providing them the best life possible, they also do get sick and they also do get injured. And that in and of itself is stressful because on any given day, it's like administering meds to Lee and then giving shots and trimming hooves. And so how do, how does, how do you manage all of that on a daily basis? <laughs> you know, just that fear. You have to have help. I, we have a ton of help. The, you know, all during COVID, I realized, like, I wasn't lonely at all. Amazing, wonderful people show up to the sanctuary and thank me. You know, I'm like, thank you. Thank you for coming and helping. And they're like, no, thank you. Um, so there's no way I could do this without the people that come here. Mm-hmm. And day after day, whether it's smoke or snow or sleet or whatever conditions, people show up. Um, but the managing the fear aspect of it is um, it's it's all consuming. You know, it's it's hard to leave this place. It's hard to sleep a full night's sleep. I have my window open even in the middle of the winter so I can hear mm. animal noises <laughs> just in case. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I kind of jokingly say it's like a built-in anxiety disorder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So there's, you know, it's not the absence of fear, but it's really learning to manage it and delegate 
And your husband and children on board or from the beginning? Or were they like, oh, Robines? Oh, she took a left turn somewhere. <laughs> All I wanted was a pig. <laughs> and now I have even that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, they, um, my husband, it's not his passion to have all these animals, but he loves and supports me. He doesn't want to do the day-to-day work of it all, but he, he knows that I do and I need to, and he helps me when he needs to. And he, he helps me with um, all, the building of the structures, the mm-hmm. maintenance. Mm-hmm. He loves doing the maintenance. But, um, yeah, I think they probably thought I'd lost my mind. Yeah. 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 And that's okay. Maybe you did. Maybe I did. Some of us need to. And, you know, lost my, my mind and found my soul. Oh, that might just be the title of this episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and I know having come, I, I, I have not met your daughter who is off on uh, a gap year and hopefully loving New Zealand as we speak. She is. Good, She's good. having a great time. Yeah. Ironically, yeah. she's doing a workaway program and going to be working at a farm sanctuary for a month in New Zealand. See, like that example that you set unintentionally is the the butterfly effect to me. Yeah. When you told me that, that she was going off to New Zealand for a year, it was a, it's hard, yeah. obviously. But knowing that she was going to do something that it, you have put into her uh, soul. That feels really good. Yeah, that feels really good. Feels and, really good. And Lex, your son, who every time I'm here... I see him. He's first person to show up probably most days and has his roles here that he does before school. Yes. Yeah. He's awesome. He's my right-hand man. He's the pig whisperer. Mm -hmm. He feeds all the pigs every morning before school um, in all kinds of weather, Yeah. usually before it's light out. Yeah. And he's been doing that since he was eight years old. And he's the friendliest, sweetest kid. Aw. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He's just such a good... Nice. You could just look at somebody and go, yeah, that's good. That's a good human. He's good. Yeah. I have good humans. I really lucked out. And then in addition to, I know that there are, you rely on volunteers, certainly, and Mm -hmm. always looking for volunteers if you live in the Central Oregon area. And over, well, I think, I know at least in 2021, um, you rely on over 7,000 volunteer hours. And as you said, this is, it's every day. It's, you've got a morning shift, you have an evening shift. And uh, it doesn't matter what the conditions are outside for us humans. Like the animals still need to be fed and they still need to have all of the things taken care of and put blankets on them as well. And um, you also have a kind of your right hand medical person, uh, Kelly, mm-hmm. Kelly Sheets. And t- so tell me about her role and how you came to know Kelly. So Kelly and I have actually been friends for over 10 years, uh, probably 12 years. We used to run together. Okay. And and then, you know, our our lives, we were just busy doing our own things. And I started the sanctuary. Um, she came over and visited a few times. And I think what really moved her was when Norman, the cow, our 1,500-pound cow. Your, your 1,500-pound, found like, grass-eating cat, basically. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, when, he, when he was a baby, he's a dairy cow, um, so he was a throwaway. He lived in this little room off of our garage and because it was too cold for him to be out in the barn. He would have died. Um, he was super sick, and Kelly and her partner Jeff came over and did some energy healing work with him. And 
you know, I'd have to let Kelly speak for herself, but she, from what I gathered, was really moved by by Norman and, you know, the sentience um, of this animal we had living in our grudge. And, um, and she became a volunteer and slowly but surely became my right-hand woman out here. And I jokingly tell her, if I die, she has to take over. And she's like, don't die. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Don't, don't die, don't die. <laughs> um, So, yeah. So, the you know, and that was, I think, five years ago. Oh, wow. So she's been coming out for five years and... Um, and also, f- to my knowledge, didn't have a lot of animal experience and just learned has, you know, we've learned together. I've shared with her what I know. She shares with me what she's learning. And and we've just become this great team. And mm. I love her dearly. And courtesy of Mud Bay, she was just awarded, uh, as was the sanctuary, like she was awarded like a volunteer of the year. I'm going to get the actual award probably wrong, but... Um, Mud Bay granted the sanctuary like a thousand dollars or something like that. Yeah. And, yeah, and granted her a thousand dollars, and she's donating that. So um, she said it's coming right back into uh, upgrading some of the coops, the the coops and the pens. Yeah, a lot of the yep. birds. Yeah, yeah. I mean, how does that make you feel? It just you know, um, the older I get, the more I the more easily I let myself cry. You know, like, these things move me to tears. You know, just the kindness of humans, which is so good in this world, you know, where you turn on the news and it's divisive and, you know, it just makes you angry and not like people. Mm -hmm. You know, being here, just the best people come here. It makes me feel so good. And it renews my faith in humanity. I think that we are... Uh, you and I were talking about this before we hit the record button, that we are born and raised into a system, a societal system. This might get a little woo-woo, but where we are essentially born into this very oppressive system. So, and and there are various uh, systems that we're that we're born into that we just have accepted because we don't know that there's other options. So, I mean, racism, classism, speciesism, ageism, um, ableism, a- ableism. Yes, and and there is a word out there that was coined by Melanie Joy, who's an author and uh, psychologist, and it's called carnism. And uh, and again, it's this, it's the whole system of the fact that we except that some animals are pets, cats, dogs, maybe bunnies, and then other animals are food. And we've just blindly accepted that without even understanding the sentience of the cows and the sheep and the goats and the horses uh, and every creature. And I know part of your goal in having this sanctuary is to... spread the sentience and to build awareness of that with volunteers, uh, with your tours that you mm-hmm. do. And you even have a tiny house on property mm-hmm. that people can rent and stay. And they don't have to work on the, uh, they don't have to work on the farm, right. but some of them do. And mm-hmm. then some of them have left you and have told you wonderful stories of transformation on their time here. Can you share? Yeah. So I have the tiny house situated right in front of our large pig pen. 
Um, also, it has an amazing view of the mountains of the Three Sisters and Broken Top Mountains. And um, we put some chairs out front and a little propane fire pit. And people tell me that they sit and watch pig TV at night. <laughs> and they watch the antics of these of, of our pigs. Um, Eleanor Pigby being our head honcho of the four big pigs. She's 550 pounds. And they, they, they tell me that they watch them, and they realize that they're no different than their dogs. And, and of course, in fact, I would say, well, they're no different than our dogs in terms of sentience, but in terms of intelligence, they're far superior. And I've had people, you know, take a tour. They stay in the tiny house. They take a tour of the property, and they're, like, asking me these amazing questions. You know, like you can just see that the the gears are working and people are thinking. And and my goal is to plant seeds, you know, that each and every one of these animal residents that live here are sentient beings. They want to live. And they and, and all of our volunteers would vouch for the fact that our animals show compassion, show empathy towards one another, towards us. Um. Like, for example, a few years ago, my dad died. And, um, you know, I was just so sad all the time. And and I remember laying out with Eleanor Pigby, our 550-pound pig. (laughs) And I laid on her for, like, with my head on her for 45 minutes. And she just let me. And that's not a common thing for her. I think she knew that I needed, Mm -hmm. you know, that I needed love. And she gave it to me. And it was beautiful. It was so moving. And... My hopes in sharing the tiny house and bringing volunteers and visitors out here is that they start to feel that, too, that they see that our animal residents are sentient beings. And they're calm and they're happy. And there is the the only semblance of any kind of torture is when they have to get their toenails trimmed. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and who wa- humans don't like to do that, no, right? It's, no. like, there are, it's like us going to the dentist, you know? It's oh, like, yeah. No, there are things that humans don't like to do that are part of our experience. But, uh, I mean, you can, if you can hear the background now, it's, what, 10 a.m. on a Friday morning. It's just absolutely perfect. And uh, all of the animals have been fed for the morning, and they're just chill, and they're just walking around. And the first time I came out here was very early this spring, and I came as a guest of Tracy Hulick, who is one of your star volunteers. She does a lot of the social media. She's become a friend of mine. She was actually a guest on this podcast uh, a few episodes ago. And she was walking me around, and the first animal that I felt bonded to was ghost. Ah. Ghost. Yeah. The sheep, right? And he's part of a clique of <laughs> uh, of sheep that all arrived on a truck at the same time, right? Right. And and they're all very tentative. Yes. Like a lot of them don't want to be around the humans. Um, ghost is the exception. So can you tell me their story of how they came? Yeah. So we got them actually September 15th, 2020, two years ago, maybe to the day. It, uh, yes, uh, yes, or yesterday. Yes, yes. Yeah. So they came from another sanctuary um, over in the valley. You know, the rainy part of Oregon, which no longer is as rainy mm-hmm. um, due to climate, climate change. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. They were evacuated from an, another sanctuary. And we offered to keep them here temporarily. 
And it was be- probably because of Ghost why they ended up staying, because everybody fell in love with Ghost, because he's so friendly and he's so outgoing. He's like a golden retriever of sheep. Um, yes. And, and I, <laughs> like, I was, it, that is so true, because while this pack of sheep r- ran away as we were approaching them, Ghost just sort of stands there and he, and he looks different, you know, from all the others. And he just sort of just looks like he's like, what's up? You know, like, I'll let you pet me. And then as we continued our tour, just followed right alongside and just let me, you know, pet his belly, pet his side. And there was absolutely zero fear. And from that moment, I was like, oh, Ghost is my boy. He's pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, Ghost is my boy. He's pretty awesome. And he's in the, the example of a farmed animal that has experienced nothing but kindness from humans. Mm. And that's, and then you get basically a dog, you know, um, yeah. there's no difference. It's just in how they're raised. Um, so he was a bottle fed baby by this, the woman who runs the other sanctuary. Okay. And, um, and so he's only known human kindness. Mm. And isn't that amazing to see what happens? Yeah. 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 And, and you definitely, you talked about uh, Zoe, the pig how she came from she was rescued from somebody who abused her and kicked her uh at least that that we know of probably worse and even she's been here six years you said Mm -hmm. and even now like you might be the only person that she really trusts and even when you were petting her and you know kind of rubbing her chin and rubbing her belly she was just she was a little grumpy, you know, and she lets you know. So there's still like there's still this lack of full trust. Yeah. And it doesn't them. help that I just trimmed her hooves yeah. the other day. So, <laughs> yeah. um, but they, you know, they they forgive easily. But my guess is they don't forget. Mm. You know, they don't forget that bad things can happen to them when they're around humans. Um it's so amazing to see the transformation in some of the animals that residents that we have that have come from abusive backgrounds. Um, pigs readily um, forgive, um, which is interesting because the pigs are also known for kind of holding grudges too. But it's just amazing. Part of the reason I do this work is to see that transformation. Yeah, yeah. You know, you see the physical changes, but the most important changes are with their ability to trust. This is a hard question probably for you from an emotional standpoint, but how do you know who to accept and who you have to say, I'm sorry, I can't accept another animal? That is, that's a really hard question. Um, we, we have to take into consideration the costs of any animals and any p- potential future vet bills of any animal that we take in. And we can't take in new animal residents at the expense of our current residents. Um, And with the cost of hay increasing so much and feed, you know, and gas prices, everything is just skyrocketed. Um, You know, we we have to say no more than we say yes. The beautiful thing, though, is behind the scenes, we are constantly um, finding homes for animals. Because we get calls, emails, texts multiple times a week to take in roosters, pigs, bunny rabbits, horses, you know, I mean, you name it, we get the call. Um, and so behind the scenes, we're constantly finding homes 
for animals. And I have a running tally for 2022, and so far it's about 26 animals. That you've been able to rehome. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's yeah, fantastic. That didn't come here. Wow. Yeah. So... Um, so as difficult as, as it is to say, no, we try our best. And is there a good network of other sanctuaries that you are in constant communication with? Yes. That sounds good. That sounds like everyone plays nicely and, you know, for altruistically, the, isn't it, for the right reasons? Yeah. You, we have a pretty good network of other sanctuaries. You know, it's on a Facebook Messenger app, and we're constantly like, hey, do you have room for a rooster? So um, back in July, I was picking up some family from the Portland airport. They were flying in from the Netherlands. And on my way up, my daughter and I brought two roosters with us. <laughs> to, to drop them off at another To drop sanctuary. them off at another sanctuary. And my daughter was like, this is perfectly normal. We're, we're totally normal people. <laughs> I, <know>. I mean, <laughs> some people have their kids in the back. You've got two roosters. Two roosters in the back. Yep. And that's, but knowing that, knowing in good faith that they were being dropped off with care and with love has to just feel so good. It feels so good. Yeah. And it's what motivates me when things are hard. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. When the anxiety, you know, of, of all the things that can go wrong here gets the best of me, I have to remember to focus on the good. Yeah. And, you know, I, I do. I think the volunteers come and I'm absolutely included in this and I'm overwhelmed by the peace and the beauty and the solace that it gives me, and and I'm only here, you know, twice a month at this point. But earlier in the summer, we were walking around doing some chores, and you had talked about like the fire evacuation plans, mm-hmm. and these are things that this is part of the anxiety that you were oh, talking yeah. about, and just the different levels of potential evacuation and. One being just like preparedness, mm-hmm. all the way up to spray paint your animals so that they know that you're they're yours. Cut all the fences and let them go. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I don't know how to you would avoid something like you know like like it, it is by the grace of God that 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 has not happened yet. Yeah, yeah, it's my worst fear. Yeah. You know, if I just had some little home in town with a couple of dogs, I wouldn't be paranoid about fires because I don't give a shit about, you know, I like my house. I like yeah. my pictures and whatnot. But yeah, yeah, um, yeah, I think I would, uh, you know, I don't want to sound like a martyr, but I think I would die trying to load up the animals and get, in, get them out of here. Mm-hmm. Um, it's de- definitely makes me anxious every year when it gets smoky out. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I bring that up not to, you know, raise either of our levels of <laughs> crying on this podcast, but to to really talk about the, re, you know, the expectation uh, versus the reality because I do think you know. Again, myself included, it's like, oh, wouldn't it be great to just have a little farm sanctuary? And this is probably what your brain was when you started this. Totally. Of just like cute little animals are going to care for them. And then the and then the reality is all of that lovely stuff plus the potential of other d- disasters. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, and God, had I known, <laughs> had I known, would I have done it? Would you, would you do it again? Um, that's a tough question, but I think yes. 
And here's how I know why. Um, so um, a couple of years ago when we were trying to move, you know, stressing about selling the place, our old place and finding a new place and rebuilding the sanctuary, I had this dream where I meticulously rehomed every single animal resident, except for Zoe. I don't know why Zoe the pig came with me. And I, you know, in my dream, I went through each home that they went to and, and I um, stopped doing the sanctuary life and I was driving down the highway in some like Honda sedan. I don't know why I drive a truck. <laughs> and and I was in Santa Cruz, California, in my dream, driving down the highway, which represents peace to me because I used to live there before I started all of this craziness. And in my dream, there was this little calf running down the highway. And all the cars were stopped, you know, to try to avoid hitting the calf. And there was a police officer with his gun pointed at, the, at this little calf. And I was like, no, 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 stop. And I grabbed the calf and put him in my little sedan and drove off. And it all started again. And I was like, I woke up from that going, okay, <laughs> okay. Like, this is what I'm meant to be doing. This is absolutely <laughs> what you're meant to be doing. Yeah. <laughs> like, wow. I, yeah. I, I mean, and, and that was such a great dream to have because it reminded me, like, this is what I'm meant to be doing. I would do it no matter what. Yeah. I can't not do it at this point. Yeah. How, tell me about like the biggest character on property. Like who is the biggest show, show person? Oh my gosh. Oh, there's so many of them. Um, well, Ghost is, is obviously quite a character. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Very sweet presence. Very sweet presence. Norman is quite a character. Norman the cow, the mm-hmm. 1,500-pound dairy cow. Um, he greets everybody that shows up on the property. He watches every time we do hoof trimmings. He, um, he watches every time we take a resident out of here to go to the vet. He's like... He's wa- he's watching us, um, and and not just you know he it's it's really interesting. He shows empathy. He starts to moo quietly when the pigs are yelling when we're trimming their hooves. Um, he moves loudly when he hears me shut the door in the evening and he wants some more food. <laughs> After the volunteers have left, if I go sit on the porch to relax, he starts screaming at me because he wants more food. <laughs> he knows. He knows. Do he and Kingston get along? They love each other. Okay. Kingston's the other big cow. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. They love each other. Um, no, we had another uh, cow a few years ago. She passed away. Okay. And Norman and Mudana was her name. <laughs> oh, my God. It just she... gets better. It just gets better. We have Bruce Hornsby, Pig Floyd, Mudana. Eleanor Pigby. Eleanor Pigby. Yep. I like coming up with dumb names. <laughs> That's so great. That's um, so great. But, yeah, so we've got a lot of characters out here. Each of them are individuals. Mm-hmm. And that I, I have absolutely noticed from Sherman and Dennis uh-huh. as well, who are also some pigs. Uh, I know that even you've got an alpaca and a llama. It is like this is what's so great about it is that there's this experience of all of these animals that you would never come in contact with in the urban world. You know, like I think we're all 
familiar with like a horse and a pig and you know like maybe a duck because we see it in the park somewhere but when you are feeding them and when you're giving them medicine and you're trying to coax a llama over to you to come eat their special food you cannot help but develop this beautiful um friendship or you're you're just you're really trying to break through on a human level not on an animal level but yeah. like on a human level like come try i'm okay yeah and it takes them a while you can see like because they there's lots of volunteers in and out of here and they're probably like i don't know i haven't seen you before <laughs> <laughs> and they they know like mac the llama has i think about five or six people that he lets pet them pet mm-hmm. him mm-hmm. um because when we first got him he wouldn't let us touch him you know, and the first time I tried to pet him and scratch him, he spit on me. <laughs> it was pretty funny. Um, and I was like, oh, I guess wagging the tail doesn't necessarily mean a llama yep. is happy. Um, but so now he's got a, a crew of about five or six people that he lets pet him. And you know, he knows their voices. He sees them when they come. And yesterday I had a, a therapy client of mine. Um, I do my therapy out here at the farm. Mm-hmm. Um, this client came out. And Dennis just came running up to them, just full force. Dennis hadn't seen this person in about a month and totally ran up to them. Um, And Mac, Mac is hilarious. So whenever I have a therapy session with this young person, we, we go out and we sit with the sheep. And the extent of my animal-assisted therapy is just petting animals mm-hmm. while we're talking or brushing. or, um, And almost every single time this person comes out, we sit on a rock and the sheep come up and Mac will lay down right next to us. It's the, it's the funniest thing. He's like, I'm part of this conversation. That is unbelievable. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because Mac's, you know, uh, 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 an intimidating presence. Yeah. He's big. And, and, like, appears kind of standoffish yes. and was totally standoffish when we first got him. Speaking of not being standoffish, <laughs> there's Ronald, <laughs> Ronald Weasley, the barn cat, who is m- more human than cat, for he, sure. He is also quite a character. Gosh. Yes, the biggest character. He will greet you. Like, hey, when you pull up in this parking lot, he will come out and greet you. As you're walking around in the barn, he will follow you, um, talk to you, and then... There are turkeys in the barn uh, who tried to peck at my shoes today because I have <laughs> shiny things on my shoes today. <laughs> but like Sirius and Lurch, is that right? Those yep. are the two turkeys. Yep. It's a father and a son pair. Beautiful, beautiful turkeys. And they just, they're just there. They're just, hey, what's up? How's it going? They're pretty awesome. Yeah. 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 And they love being around people. They do. They do. Uh, and you've got pig. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, well, you do have pigs, but you've got uh, the bunnies in, in the barn. You have roosters, chickens. I just I want to paint this picture of just this. It's like paradise is what it is. It's it's most humans would come out here. And I don't care if you are, you know, vegan or not vegan. You cannot come out here and not be moved. Rubin. like I think that that's what you've created is not just a sanctuary for the animals, but a sanctuary for humans who need escape <laughs> from from daily life. That makes me feel so good because oh, that's sure. really that was my intention. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so this doesn't run, you know, you're not making the big bucks on <laughs> the animal sanctuary. <laughs> no. Uh, how, how does it run? How does it sustain itself? So in the beginning, it was completely self-funded. Um, wow. My husband and I, you know, we 
we're hardworking folks, um, and we were paying for everything ourselves. Um, and then we got a little grant, I think of like $1,000. It was our first grant from the City of Sisters about five years ago. And um, and then I started doing tours. Um, we initially did birthday parties, which I'd, I wasn't fond of, didn't mm-hmm. realize that it, you know, that that made it feel like a petting zoo out here. Yes. So, you know, I've made all the mistakes and learned from them, and we don't do that anymore. We don't want to give off a petting zoo vibe, but mm, no, um, no. Anyway, so we we do tours, um, we sell merchandise. We pre-COVID, we had some you know events. Mm-hmm. We had like a vegan party out at the sanctuary with musicians. It was super fun. Haven't done anything like that since COVID, but. We rely on the kindness of donors. Yeah. And I do, I saw on the website that you've got like a pumpkin carving event coming Mm -hmm. up uh, in October. And there may have been like a women's retreat or something out here that's coming up. We, so we might do that next year. Okay. We we realized we kind of bit off more than we could chew with that, but. Sure, sure. But um, I I think the, the, you know, if there's something that you're interested in doing or hosting, like at least reach out to see if it's feasible. Yeah. You know, like. So, yeah, it's, it's donation-based, bottom line. 100%. And your Airbnb. Yep. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's starting to make some, you know, some money for the sanctuary. Mm-hmm. And and like we were talking about earlier, the, the best part is that it's planting seeds in people who who may not have thought about the animal residents here being, or animals in general, being yeah, sentient. Yeah. 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 And that's all you can hope for at this yeah. point. You know, that that, like, that is... That is the mission, which is, I think, to expose people to a cruelty-free atmosphere. And more than cruelty-free, just like this most loving atmosphere. Is If you, and don't you dare, but if you close up shop or <laughs> if you retire or if you <laughs> die, as Kelly said, don't die, uh, <laughs> um, what would you want the legacy of this place to be? Oh, that's a great question. I think, um, you know, I, th- I think changing hearts and minds of people, of seeing, seeing animals as sentient beings. Um, I would love for people to make different lifestyle choices. And the legacy would be, um, you know, people, people changing what they do. And it starts with the food that we put on our plate. Sometimes, as my friend and Kelly's partner, Jeff, said, sometimes it feels like you're throwing watermelon seeds out the window of your car, you know, and you're just hoping something lands. But when I hear people saying that, hey, I sat outside the tiny house and, you know, I really saw what pigs are like and I don't think I want to eat them anymore. That's exactly why I do what I do, in addition to helping the animals. Thank you so much. For everything. Oh, thank for allow- you. Yes, for allowing me to come and, you know, not just talk to you and get to know you more as as I've, you know, been craving to do all summer long, but but just a, just sharing this with people, just sharing your passion with people. It's pretty special. Yeah, it is. And which one is that walking around there? Oh, Let's that's see. Noel. Noel. She was on death's doorstep when we got her. Mm. There are some remarkable rescue stories, and there are some remarkable, even um, uh, 
self-rescue stories. Like I know one of the pigs like jumped off a, a truck. Yeah. Clover. Yep. Clover. Yeah. Yeah. She, she jumped off a slaughter truck. She Yeah. She was on her way. To uh, to become bacon and just said I'm out. <laughs> yeah, and and didn't somebody saw was driving just happened to be driving by. Was it you? No, it wasn't me. Okay, I thought it, it was, was like this... something really almost serendipitous like that. It was this young couple um, who happened to be vegans um, who were driving by and saw this little bloody injured pig. Um, jump off this truck and start running down the highway. And they spent two hours chasing this little pig down. Called every sanctuary in the Pacific Northwest, and we said yes, and they drove six hours to drop her off. And now she's a big, giant, happy pig, living her best life with friends, and she's totally healed. She's awesome. She's a gentle giant. I adore her. And animals do that all the time. They jump off of slaughter trucks. Um, we just, you know, they don't put that on the news. Yeah. And people like to say they fall off. No, they jump. They know. Um, so, yeah. Thank you. Uh, they know. They know that where they're at right now, at Harmony Farm Sanctuary, they are loved. Thank you, Robine, for your heart, your passion, and your compassion. This place has changed me. To learn more or to donate, visit HarmonyFarmSanctuary.com and I'll make sure I link that up in the show notes. Thanks so much for listening to I Could Never Do That. You can support this little independent podcast through the app Buy Me A Coffee and I'll make sure I put a link to that in the show notes as well. I sincerely appreciate you listening and look forward to next time. Take care. <laughs>